Awesome Radio Network. We have a special guest for you, former Titan assistant coach, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He's with Titans Radio now, provide great analysis each week, 145 The Zones, Titans Radio. Coach Dave McGinnis, Coach Mack, how's life this week, man, after that comeback we saw on Saturday? Yeah, it is, it is so good. You know, I've been, I've been in this league for 32 years, and there's nothing like playoff time in the National Football League, and there's, and there's really nothing like being able to be in the final eight in the National Football League playoffs. So when, when you're in the tournament and you want the final eight teams playing, I mean, life is good, brother. Life is good. You get that right, Coach Mack. Coach Mack, I'm, I'll switch off the air to this. I really enjoy your analysis, your Titans radio, because Coach Mack, I, I play football myself, and I'm learning from the radio. I've learned about the four-man species, the, the, how the receivers are. Coach Mack, you have opened my eyes. I, I play football. So I'll tell you, Coach Mack, I thank you for your analysis. You're giving me insight. That I didn't know about the game of football that I played for so, so, so many years, Coach. Well, JR, that's very, that's very, very kind of you to say that, and I appreciate that. And the one thing that I've been – I've been really, really blown away with this year is you know, when I came in here to do that is the number of people that, first of all, listen to the game and then the number and then the, the very positive feedback, you know, from people just like yourself. And again, as I said, when I first, you know, when I first started this, I had never really planned to do this. And when this was, when this was offered, when this was offered to me, you know, I, you know, I said, absolutely, I'll do it. And, and, and you know, I'm not a real smart dude, but I've been involved in over 600 NFL games. And so when I had a chance to do this, I mean, it was absolutely, I mean, it's been so much fun. And so that kind of feedback from someone like you that played the game, that knows the game, that means a lot to me. I appreciate that, brother. You're very welcome, Coach. I'll tell you, man, Dante, I've I, I kind of blew, blew John's head away with stuff I, I talk about. But I say, Coach Max is on the level that I, that I knew about, you know, and I played ball for a bunch of years. So I'll tell you what, Coach Mack, I've never used the word four-man race until I listen to you, Coach. You, I, I, I knew about it, but I never used the word you used, Coach. Well, go ahead. Anything I say, you're welcome to use because I promise you, I didn't invent any of it. I stole it from somebody. So as I, after 32 years in the league, I've never invented anything. Everything that I have, I've stole from somebody, so you're welcome to it, brother. Hey, Coach, it was funny to me that my little brother asked me, what's the inside zone? So let me show you here. Let me draw it up and show you, you know, what he's talking about. There here. you go. No, <laughs> you know, you absolutely. Know yeah, and you know what? And once you, and that's what, you know, once you can explain it to people and, and where they can, and, and, and the thing that I enjoy doing, as I say, you know, I've been involved in the National Football League as a coach over half my adult life, and the thing that I've always enjoyed doing is being able to explain the game to people and not, and not you know, explain down to them, but just talk about what's happening. And it's, it's really gratifying to hear how much people do appreciate, you know, just trying to learn the nuances of the game without getting too technical and still being able to present a picture to them that is entertaining, but is at the same time informative. And, that, and that's, you know, that's what this is all about. And of course, you know, they say, well, it sounds like you're really enjoying it, Coach Mack. You know why it sounds like that? Because I am. You got there, right, Coach Mack. I'll tell you what, I feel your energy through the speakers. You know, <laughs> Coach, I always hit somebody when I hear you score the radio, Coach. I'm telling you, I'm an offense. I'm a receiver. But I want to go hit somebody. Yeah, <laughs> Cause, cause you get me fired don't, up, man. Don't go, <laughs> don't go hitting my language. Don't go hitting anybody and blaming me on the radio, man. Don't go hitting anybody. <laughs> Just sit there and get ready to play. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Coach. I hear you, man. We coach David McGinsey on the Boston Bears show. Now, Coach, uh, when the team was out 21-3 at halftime, Coach, what do you feel was the key factor for the Titans combined second half? Some key moments to make sure to get that win and Kansas City area steady to make those Chiefs, the Chiefs kingdom go home with sad faces. 
You know, Jay, it came down to a real uh, grit and resolve by this entire football team. And, and, and when you get into situations like that, as I said, I've been involved in over 600 NFL games. And I just know that, that you could tell the, the, the resolve that the whole team had, and plus the belief in what they were doing. And they knew that they had done some things in the first half that had, you know, had, had not been conducive to them having success. And even when Kansas City scored right before half to make it 21-3, you, I mean, the body language of the Titans – going into the locker room, you could tell that they still had a very firm resolve that we, we can do better than this. And then the adjustments that they made at halftime, both offensively and defensively. And that's a huge credit to these coaches and these players. And then they just came out and, 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 and started running the football and started doing the things that were, that they knew that they could do. And then the defensive adjustments that the Piccolo and the defensive staff and those defensive players and those defensive players made was, was outstanding. And in a very hostile environment, in a playoff atmosphere, they never wavered. I mean, they never took a step back. They always kept pressing forward, and you could just sense the belief in what they were doing. And then, of course, Marcus Mariota, you know, and then and then Derek Henry. I mean, those two guys just put the whole thing on their back, and you could see that their play uplifted everybody else. And and the defense was and the defense was balling out, you know, that 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 second half. And so it was a it was a real culmination and it was really a great complimentary football team win by all three phases in that second half and it was a great great feeling uh, at the end of that ball game to know that you'd accomplish something that important now coach it, it also seemed like the game changed when the titans were able to get the chiefs off their script a bit and as a defensive coach how do you go about preparing to deal with the west coast offense that scripts that first 15 plays well, you know, the, their offense is a little bit now of a hybrid, you know, of the of the pure West Coast and then also the spread offense. Because as much as the zone read has come into the professional game, and, and they, they're, they're very creative, they've got very explosive players on their team offensively. And so, and, and, and so you know, Andy Reid and, 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 and Nagy have been very, very creative with the way they were getting the ball to the playmates. They always knew, and especially, you know, coming off of their first 15 script, that they are going to do things. They're going to try to take advantage of personnel groups, of different personnel groups and different alignments to see how you adjust to it. They're always going to try to bust you early. And if you can weather that first storm, which really, you know, basically, I mean, you know, the Titans were, were, were searching for a while until they finally got a bead on exactly what they were trying to do. And, but once they were able to do that, that offense that is, as I said, the hybrid between the West Coast and the spread, once you kind of get an idea of the way they are trying to attack you, then you can start to counterpunch with some of, the, some of your calls and what you want to do. And the biggest key to me for the Titans' defense in the second half of that game, guys, was that they, they were able to stop the run and they were able to make that offense one-dimensional. And once you make an offense one-dimensional, as to whereas the defense, you're not constantly in a run-pass conflict every down, then you've got a real chance. Got that right, Coach. And I also thought Travis Kelsey going out, too, because Rock Kelsey, he get very ordinary. He makes him dynamic. You know, you can still run the jet hit sweeps with Tyreek Hill, still run the combination with Albert Wilson, but Kelsey makes some spells, kind of like how Gronk does with the Patriots. So the types for me, Coach Mack, seeing Kelsey for a half has to help Dick, Dick LeBlanc prepare for Gronk and Brady this week coming up there in Foxborough. Well, no, absolutely. And you're 100% right, because anytime you've got a tight end, especially nowadays, in the National Football League, as much as the spread game has forced defenses to widen their anchor points horizontally, you've got a lot of space in the middle of the football field, and that's why you see guys like Gronkowski, like Kelsey, like Delaney Walker here, be so successful because those are those are mismatches that you can use in the middle of the football field, and then if you've got that coupled with with some uh, some other playmakers on your offense. 
that way you stretch a defense not only horizontally, but you stretch him vertically too. And so once once Kelsey went out, then Dick LeBeau and his defensive calls, he was able to concentrate some of those calls into other places. And as I said, that aided them in making them one-dimensional, you know, the Chiefs offensively. And, and, and it was a huge, huge half for the Titans defense. And But Kelsey being out of there was a, was a big part of that. Yeah, Coach Dan begins here in the boss from Titans Radio. He's a he see a couple people. He's got a lot of insight on the game of football, as he told you earlier. Now, Coach, also Marcus Mariota. I tell you what, Coach, I feel like this is going to turn his career around. This stretch right here, he's had playing the second half with the Rams, Jacksonville, and this game with the Chiefs. He gets confidence that he can bring his team back. He's making all the plays in the world to save his team, and he's. Helping his, he's showing his growth, Coach. He's calling his own plays in that spread, that spread set that Coach Rubisky gives him. So, Coach, if you're going years in the league, Coach, send a guy like Marcus Mario to grow. How do you think his facility is now going through this playoff season against New England and, and on and beyond now, seeing what he's done these last few weeks here for the Titans? Well, I think you're absolutely right in the fact that, especially these last two weeks, you know, when he basically just, you know, you know, the, the, the play made at the end of the Jacksonville game, you know, as to where he put the, he put the okie doke move on Calais Campbell out there and then, then put the stiff arm on, stiff arm on church to make the first down. And then this last ball game, I mean, some of the plays he made, I mean, he was like a magician, you know, the ball that Revis batted back to him. And, he was athletic enough to catch and stretch and touch the pylon. And then that last play to Henry that, that sealed the game, basically, where he you know, not only had the zone lead working outside, but then got in front to block the linebacker. I mean, those are types of things that not only ignite your offense, they ignite your whole football team. When you have a quarterback that is willing to lay it on the line from start to finish, like Marcus Mariota has done, and, and, and you have got a guy that people will, will unfailingly follow, just because of his leadership ability, but also because, I mean, you know, Marcus is very quiet. He's not a big talker, but he is a guy that they know how competitive he is and how much he lays it on the line. And so to me, it means everything. And you talk about quarterback growth. I mean, you know, you can talk about moments in time in this league. I've been fortunate enough to be involved with some great players in my 30 year national football. I think back you're like Terry or when I was on Bears with, you know, with, with Walter, I think back when I had Keith Bullock here. And there are moments in time in big games where those types of players step up and do something that solidifies not only what they are doing personally, but it also solidifies the trust and the belief that their teammate and an organization has in them. And you've seen that out of Marcus Mariota, especially these last two weeks. Now, Coach, uh, Coach LeBeau rallied his troops and the Titans were down 14-0 and they played pretty much uh, as you think for ball they doubt the rest of the game. Does that experience and overall action of the guys uh, mean to the Titans? No, the issue you get to the one thing you can't manufacture in this league, either as a player or a coach experience. And as I said, most NFL buildings that I go into nowadays after 32 years being in the league, I'm kind of the senior member in the room and you know I've got a lot of skins on the wall. But when I walk into Dick LeBeau's meeting room, I feel like a freshman because this guy has been around so long and has done so many things, is an icon in this league. The players implicitly trust him because they know that all he has is their best interest in mind and that he is going to put them in the best situation that he can for them to be successful. And then if the original plan is not working, he's one of the best in-game adjustment coaches in the National Football League. So all of that stuff just lend, uh, lend yourself again. Once players believe, they'll do anything they can to follow you and to make it happen. Now, Coach, uh, looking forward to the next matchup for Titans, uh, the Patriots are going to be tough. As you look at that, what do you feel the keys for the Titans are going to be um, and they will leave Foxborough to win? 
first of all, I mean, you're playing, you know, probably the premier franchise in the league as far as, you know, clearly it's evidence with the Super Bowl trophies, but the number of playoff games, and of course, to me, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, that combination is, is, is the best in modern day. I mean, they've been there of Valerie Kaplan. I mean, you just can't say enough. Those who have done it, all just the entire, you know, organization is up there in Foxborough. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's the standard bearer in our league right now. And so to get a chance to go up there and to compete against the best, you know, and especially to be in the final eight with that, I mean, you know, you're going to have to deal with, with, with Tom Brady because he's, he's a master at being able to adjust very quickly on the run to what's going on. They've got, you know, Gronkowski, of course, you know, Gronk is one of the best players in the league at his position, hands down. They've also got everybody that goes in there, guys, and you know how they do a great job of not only drafting players, but getting players in free agency or even getting, you know, veterans towards the end of their career to come in there and even excel even more than they can within their system. You're going to have to beat an entire system there. And, and, and so to me, you've got to have a firm belief in what you are doing. But, you know, the keys are, are the same as they are in, in most in a lot of games. You've got to be able to convert third downs with you offensively. You've got to be able to, to get them out on third downs, not give Tom Brady enough extended series to take shots at you. And then the other thing that you have to be able to do, I mean, turnovers in, in playoff games are huge. And, 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 and playoff games, because at, with eight players playing now, I mean, eight teams playing now, you've got the best eight teams left out of 32 in the league right now. So turnovers are a huge part. So you've got to, you've got to be able to go with your game plan, and then you've got to limit all the unforced errors that you have in the ball game. not give your opponent anything, and then when you've got a chance to take advantage of something, whether it's either offensively, defensively, or on teams, you have to do it, especially during playoff time. Now, Coach Mack, uh, preparation-wise, Coach, I think that the Titans have some of what Kansas City has. They beat them with in week one with Tyron Taylor using him a little bit in that, in that role. They had you Tyree Kill, kind of using Corey Davis. So would you look at that first game of the, of the season's tape against the with when KC beat them at home and try to, of course, some of those plays this week install them, hopefully, that we can use some of those same concepts against them this week and beat them with it again? Well, I mean, again, you know, every game takes on its own entity. And the league, the first 16 game season in a 17-week stretch. You know, there's 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 edge flows. Teams change. Teams evolve. And, and so what you really need to do, and, of course, once you get into the playoffs, you know, you break down every game. You look and see what's going on. You look at what, what's good for you. You look at, at what has been not good for you. You look at why you've been successful. You look at what has been successful against your opponent. You try to see how your personnel matchups work. All of that stuff, you know, figures in. But at the same time, you still got to be able to you got to be able to make it concise and make it real because you've only got so many days to practice. But at the same time, what you have to know, you have to have a firm base of things that you do just as your base fundamentally where you are right now. Because you know, there you will be a playoff game, and you're going to borrow from what you see in some. But still, you've got to be true to yourself as to what has gotten you there and made you one of the final eight teams. In this tournament, well, Coach, I'm looking for a thirty. I'm hoping that the Falcons get that job done in Philadelphia. You got the job done in New England, and I'm praying that this will happen. We have a Falcons Titans Super Bowl in Minnesota. That'll, that'll, that'll make my day. I'll make my year right there, Coach. Man. I would enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. As I said, you got all the numbers from the board right now. So you know what? <laughs> for for your wish to come true, that makes my real happy too. Yes, indeed, with Coach Mac. I'm going to tell you, in our studio right now, Coach Mac, everybody in here is in a, attentive. I mean, never me, I see my research guys here. They're, they're like, never listen to interviews. They just phones. They're like, they're, they're really intentive listening to you, Coach Mac. You're the man. You got my ass for for once. Well, you know what? Tell them thank you very much. I wish my players would have paid as much attention to me during my 32 years of coaching. I might have done a hell of a lot better job. 
Hey, you're doing a damn good job there, Coach, and we appreciate your time today. Coach, we got to do it again real soon. This has been so fun. Like I said, Coach Mack, you're the man. We, I had to get you on the show, Mack. I enjoy, I enjoy what you do. You've been a blast for me to listen to all year long, Coach. Thanks, guys. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. See you. You're welcome. They begin on the Boss Man Show, people. Bless, bless, bless. A gorgeous tan from Suntan City gives you an inner glow that relights the fire when you run into your first crush. Vicky, who is that? An old boyfriend. Lucky you just tanned at Suntan City. Lucky he's single. We're doing lunch tomorrow. Won't be single for long then. During Tour of the City, try all five tans, including spray tan for just $4.99. Restrictions may apply. Click to buy now. Boston Radio Network, and uh, we're joined by a friend of the show, a good buddy of mine, uh, Kyle Schwartz. He's the Assistant Commissioner for Strategic Communications for the OVC. That's a long title to say that man's an important <laughs> man going up there in Nashville. How you doing there, Kyle? Good, Jared. Thanks. The, the title, it's more impressive than maybe than what I actually do, but it, the sound is very impressive. That's it why I, I picked very important. Yes, like this guy's the... For strategic communications are very man. My, my man is strategic with communications. I love it. <laughs> love it to death. I tell you what, Kyle. I'm, I'm gonna say, folks, new listeners. Kyle Schwartz is the is the man out the OVC man. He's the point man. Does a great job with the OVC tournament media days. He's a great dude. I tell you, he works very hard. He doesn't like to get the credit he deserves, but I want to put him on the show because he's a good friend of mine and he gives great information. John will even verify that. They they they're right, John. Always the best from Kyle. Whenever Kyle comes on, we get it straight from the horse's mouth about what's going on around the OBC. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, Kyle, you're a very important man around here, brother. I hope, 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 hope you hope well, you know it, man. Well, I appreciate it. We like spreading the word about the OBC all throughout the, all the markets your show airs in. And, uh, you know, I can sort of compare the OBC sometimes to uh, you may have gone – some people go to an OVC school, but then they root for the bigger SEC school in their market. So we, we, we know those fans are out there. We just want to relate to them and say, hey, it's okay if you root for your SEC school, but remember where you went to school at too. So sometimes we have to pull people back in a little bit. Yes, indeed. And, Kyle, don't talk about OVC, especially with Jacksonville State being 94 miles from Atlanta. A lot of the Georgia and Auburn and Alabama rejects go to Jacksonville State, but they go to Jacksonville State. They go there because they can play at a high level at FCS school, and a lot of a lot of go to the NFL from the FCS school, Jacksonville State. East Little North as well with Jimmy Garoppolo. So for the league, Kyle, we have guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, guys from Jacksonville State, Dominic Roger Cromartie, Anthony Levine who go to the NFL. 
How does that help you guys in Elite Four promoting the brand, promoting what you guys do as a conference? Yeah, when you talk FCS football, and a lot of people might still refer to it as the old 1AA, uh, we have players, um, I was just looking at the list right now, eight players at the end of the year there on the rosters. A couple of the playoffs, the Steelers punter, Jordan Berry went to Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Kame Grugier-Hill uh, is with the Philadelphia Eagles. He went to Eastern Illinois. Um, so those are two players who are competing at the highest level. You mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. I will have to say a personal favorite of my own, one of the favorite people I've gotten to work with. So somebody who, you know, he set the bench. He's won some NFL um, Super Bowl titles with the Patriots. Now he gets to go out to San Francisco, be the starter. He, he really made an impact in his year. So every broadcast, they're saying Eastern Illinois. They, they, maybe they say OVC, but they're talking FCS football. It, it's publicity you can't buy. You can't get a TV ad on those national broadcasts or, or wherever. So having somebody – go to the next level and succeed, uh, it really helps us. And we might cover basketball in a little bit. We have six guys in the NBA right now. That is unheard of in OBC history. So we're send, you know, we're doing things here on the college level, and we're sending people uh, to the pros, which is, uh, which is a great thing. Well, Cal, speaking of some of the success that uh, OVC players have when they take it to the next level, uh, towards the end of the year with the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo had a pretty nice run with them towards the end. Um, were you guys in the, the league office kind of excited to see that as it's uh, helpful to promote the brand? Yes, but it's also you know one of your former players and student athletes uh, having success on the next level. Well, for sure, and we, uh, you know, he was the Walter Payton winner, uh, the FCS Player of the Year his last year, and we we got to go to the awards ceremony and you know spend some time with him, meet his parents, who are like the nicest people uh, that you can imagine. So to, to go from being a backup where people sort of knew his name, like they knew what, what he could do, to to really get out there and play, it's it's just exciting. It's it's almost the same thing as if. Um, one of our student athletes graduates, they go to medical school and they become a doctor. That's what we want to do. We want them to go into their field and succeed and be the best possible person they can be. He, Jimmy Garoppolo or, or somebody on those level, it's just obviously more people know about him. So anytime an OVC student athlete can uh, reach their dreams and what they want to do, uh, it's, it's exciting here. And, and most of them don't do it in professional sports, but for the ones that do make it, you know, we get a little bit extra excited for them. Most drove by Kyle Schwartz from the OVC, breaking down OVC conference, the players and who they have, and NFL, all to get success with OVC. I'm an OVC grad myself, so OVC is very partial to my heart. Now, Kyle, who are the six guys in the NBA that is playing in the league right now? For our listeners who may not know them, those names. Yeah, and I, you know, when I first started, we got one you know one player in the league, and every, everybody would get excited. And you know, our, our coaches have really done a good job, uh, you know, recruiting uh, for a while. Kenneth, Kenneth Fareed. Moorhead State All-American. He's with the Nuggets. Um, his seventh year in the NBA, the Manimal, as he's been known. You know, he signed a, a big $50 million extension a couple of years ago. So he's been a force for five, uh, seven, eight, nine years uh, with the Nuggets. You know, your alma mater, Tennessee State, Robert Covington, uh, he signed a $61 million extension uh, not that long ago at the 76ers. So not good, to, not that bad to reach your uh, goals and uh, play in the NBA and get that type of money. Uh, Ian Clark from Belmont, he was a former OVC player of the year. He won a championship with the uh, the Golden State Warriors last year. He's with the with the Hornets uh, this season. Uh, Cameron Payne, he's hurt. Uh, he went to Murray State. He was OVC player of the year. Uh, he's with the Bulls, but sitting out. Um, Isaiah Cannon, also Murray State, also All-American, also the OVC player of the year. He's just signed with the Phoenix Suns for the first time this year. 
And then the sixth is Antonios Cleveland. He went to Southeast Missouri State, uh, which is where I went to graduate school, actually. And, and um, he's with the Dallas Mavericks, although he is hurt right now. So he is uh, he's on the injured list, and I don't know if he's going to play for the rest of the year. But, you know, six at one time is the most we've had in my uh, decade here. So great to see uh, some players make it in the NBA because there's not a lot of roster spots uh, to do that. You got that right. I forgot about Antonio's Cleveland. I thought was I thought he played similarly with Golden State, right? Is that, is that correct? Or he I, did I, play. He's correct. He played summer league with them. He just didn't catch on, and then the Mavericks signed him. He played a bunch, and he he was playing some good minutes off the bench. And uh, I believe it was a foot injury uh, sort of sometime right before Christmas that uh, got him off the main roster while he's rehabbing. Gotcha. And speaking of basketball, Kyle, the basketball tournament's moving into Evansville, Indiana. I'm, I'm gonna try to make it. I hope to make it. I'm going to try to make it up there, man. So what's been the buzz around the conference with the fans, the institutions, the city of Evansville, with you guys coming up there, bringing that tournament there, the nice arena up there they have for you guys to play in? We'll have a seat for you. So whether you make it or not, I'll, I'll have the place card, and you'll have a good uh, seat on press row there. So um, we're excited. And, we, you know, in Nashville, we've been here um, 24, uh, 23 to 24 years. So anytime you've been in the same place for a long time, you sort of you know, get comfortable, I guess, maybe, maybe is the way to describe it. So getting to go to a new, a new venue will be exciting to do some things we've never done before. And if, if people fans that probably haven't been to the Ford Center, but the Ford Center at Evansville is about six years old, um, state of the art. They have a, uh, a minor league hockey team that plays there. The Evansville, uh, Missouri Valley Conference, uh, the University of Evansville, they play there. Uh, lots of concerts and events at this facility. Jumbo, jumbo screens, LED boards. It's it's like a mini professional arena because it only seats about that 11,000 or so, maybe about 10,000 for basketball. So we've heard from the community leaders, and, and we've had our media day event there. So people are, are buzzing about it. If you say Indiana, you think basketball, right? So I think people in around the city will be excited to hopefully – maybe they're a, a University of Evansville fan. Maybe after they're out of their tournament, they want to come support. Or maybe they, they've moved from somewhere else and they just love basketball. So we're hoping to get that community out to really uh, support the event. But I think it's going to be a, a, a major event uh, for that city. And they, they were looking to host a Division One basketball tournament. They've done some Division Two and some other things, but they've never done a Division One. So we're looking forward to having it there this year. Now, speaking of uh, getting that support out, Kyle, you know, for the fans listening uh, that may be close to Evansville or uh, a fan or a student of an OVC institution, how can they purchase tickets and what are some of the special events that are going to be associated with uh, the the tournament and and what can they expect once they get there? You already said me up there. I should have said that without having to set up. So I appreciate ovcsports.com slash tickets is everything you need to know, not just to buy tickets, but uh, everything from from the games to uh, um, the, the events associated with it, but we're going to make it a. You know, there, there's some ticket deals that'll be out there that not necessarily announced yet, but for families to come uh, to see because you know we we have eight men's and eight women's teams, so we have two games in the afternoon and two games at night every day, and the championship games on Saturday. So um, maybe you can't make out the whole thing, but people in Evansville might want to come and and just see a, a couple of the games. So there'll be that opportunity. The ticket is affordable. If you do buy an all-session ticket before February 1st, it's only $60. There cannot be another tournament in the country that has basketball as good as ours, and you've seen that from uh, what we put in, especially in our championship games the last couple of years. $60 gets you into every single game. So I think it's a great value. I think our fans that, that come every year think it's a great value. And 
they'll be able to be in the state of the art building. There's things around around Evan around the uh, the arena to do too. It's probably a little easier to park there than it is in Nashville. Uh, just a little bit smaller scale there. <laughs> so yeah, I know we know how that is. So maybe easier in and out, and uh, maybe there's a chance to easier get some dinner right before uh, right before the game across the street. So um, ovcsports.com/slash/tickets. Everything you possibly need to know about this year's event. Now, Kyle, there's always a bit talk around non-conference scheduling and RPIs as March approaches. Uh, just curious for myself and the listening audience, uh, how involved is the conference in aiding the member institutions when it comes to scheduling non-conference games to boost our RPI and ensure the conference as a whole is a better schedule to allow more teams to play postseason without having to pay for it per se, getting the NITs straight, straight in, or play gets determined with a good RPI or one of the other CBI, CIT. So yeah. how, how do you guys go about helping the, team, the schools make those schedules, make, make them a little bit, little bit better for everybody involved? Yeah, I actually have the RPI document uh, pull up here. Um, I think you do. You hear other conferences have scheduling parameters or philosophies or guidelines, and uh, we you know you have to schedule between this and that. We don't have that per se. We do annually. Our coaches meet. Our athletic directors meet. You know more regularly, and we talk about the importance of who you play and and where you play them, and, and ultimately if you win is important. I think that the, the research is out there. People seeing it. If you're going on the road you're likely not going to win the game. That, that's just how, how it, it bounces out. So you kind of got to be smart and, you know, playing like opponents. If you're the teams are the top of the league, and I'm just taking who's at the top of the stands right now, Belmont, Murray State, uh, Austin P, Tennessee Tech, Jacksonville State, those teams, you know, they can go and, and play a team that's at the top of another con- a mid-major conference. But if you're a team that's at the bottom of the stands right now, those teams probably shouldn't be playing the teams that are at the top of – another league they need to play some of the peer schools in that year then when that team improves they can play different schedules so we don't per se tell them we give them advice and, and sort of have people talk to them on how the rpis um you know is affecting by your schedule and then let them make the best decisions it's not easy though because if you're if you get to be a good team let's use murray state for example after they had the you know they cannon uh, and were ranked in the top 10 nationally. Nobody wanted to go play at Murray State. So they had to go and find some teams to play. Now, when Isaiah Cannon left, they wanted to play Murray State. That's just the sort of the way it happened. So just, you know, keeping them up to date on, on what they can do and helping them the best to make the best decisions they can to find those opponents. I hear that, Kyle. Well, Kyle, I'll tell you, what, it helps out me out a lot. A lot of listeners ask me these questions, and I can't answer them for fully truthfully without hearing from somebody like yourself so you definitely made our lives easier trying to answer those questions for our fans who ask us that all the time and winning and you know at the end of the day winning is what's going to help you if you, if you play a schedule and you win the games it's going to help your rpi and and at the end of the day if it comes down to having that large team that might be one of the factors that is the deciding factor on that I hear that, man. Well, Kyle, I'll tell you what, brother, it's been a pleasure having you on the show again, my friend, and look forward to seeing you real soon. Hopefully I can get to Evansville and enjoy that tournament with you guys. But if not, no, I'll be cheering for you guys. Wishing you all the best from, from afar. All right, well, guys, I, I appreciate you uh, giving me some of your time and uh, for your listeners, and uh, it's always a pleasure to be on with you. Thank you so much, folks. It's Kyle from OBC here on the Boss Man Show.
college basketball fans. This is Donnie Tyndall, former head basketball coach, and we're getting ready to have a top three with Tyndall with JR the boss man and John, myself, as we analyze the college basketball season team by team, break down stats and facts, and give you all the basketball scoop across the country on a weekly basis. We hope you'll join us and look forward to talking hoops with you on the Boss Man Show. Yo, Pierre, you want to come out here? Zuzi on the track. Man show. We got my man Ira Kaufman from JoeBucksFan.com. I love, I, I just love the name of your site, man. Joe Bucks Fan. Where did that name come from, man? Well, uh, it's like the train will appeal to, you know, everybody. The truck driver, you know, the sanitation worker, just Joe Bucks Fan. That's the average Bucks Fan. And I got to tell you, the average Bucks Fan, he ain't too happy right now. He ain't too happy. They were 5 and 11, big expectations, and they fell on their butts. And meanwhile, three teams from the NFC South are in the playoffs, and the Bucks are uh, can't cruise to uh, Cancun right now. Not good. Not good. Our Hawkins was Chucky to come back to Tampa. When I saw him, when, we, when I saw him down there for that food night, I thought my man was coming to Tampa. But I know he's going back to the Raiders. How close is that deal to going, going down, man? I think it was close. I'm with you. And when they had that Ring of Honor night, and you saw the uh, you saw the emotion in his voice when he was saluting ownership. They had mended a lot of fences since he got fired. And I thought he was coming to the Bucks because Cutter was in a lot of trouble. And you guys know Dirk Cutter from his Atlanta days. And uh, anytime you go 5-11, and 11, uh, when you have big expectations, you're in trouble. And I thought Gruden was the man. He lives right here in Tampa. He wouldn't even have to move his family. But you know what? And I think you guys realize it. Oakland was going to give this guy whatever he wanted. He's got total power. He's got all the money in the world. And I think the Glazers realize we're not going to get in a bidding war with Oakland. We're probably going to lose. They're going to give him anything he wants. And they bowed out and they decided, all right, we'll stick with Cutter one more year and see what Cutter's got. But uh, believe me, the Glazers had plenty of interest in bringing John Gruden back to Tampa. So speaking well, of Bucks fights to eat Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking about Cutter. Uh, and the fans are disappointed now. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I mean, it's probably a little bit of a disappointment, you know, for the fans as well as ownership based on the scenario you're speaking about. So do you feel that, you know, obviously Gruden or someone like Gruden um, would be better suited to lead the Bucks going forward as opposed to just retaining Cutter for this one year? Well, I think from a marketing perspective, guys, it's going to be tough to generate ticket sales around here. Um, you know, they got the number seven pick in the draft. Uh, it's not a very sexy draft unless you get maybe you draft the, the Barkley kid at Penn State, the running back. Uh, if you don't do that, you know, there's not a lot of star names in free agency. Um, so here comes Cutter for year three. Now, I'll say this, guys. Uh, out of 32 NFL head coaching jobs, I don't think anybody's going to be on the hot seat more than Dirk Cutter going into the 2018 season. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't fire him after two years because I think that's a terrible habit of firing guys after two years, that's not the reputation you want. It doesn't work. you got to keep changing the systems, philosophies. 
but if they could get Gruden, I think they would have done it. Otherwise, I think they made the right call sticking with Cutter, but he's going to have a lot to prove in 2018. Yeah, well, I, I think maybe the Browns, maybe Hugh Jackson, if he goes 0-16 again, hopefully he'll get fired this time. So I think Dirk might be number two up behind old Hugh. <laughs> you know, I was talking to my brother today, and, and he says, uh, he says, how could a guy that went 1-31 come back for year three? And, and I didn't have an answer. I got no answer for that. Uh, you know what the answer is? It's the Browns. That's the only thing you can say. It's the Browns. <laughs> and 1-31, are you kidding me? I mean, at least Cutter won nine games, uh, you know, his first year as a head coach. He went 9-7. and seven. He did something. Uh, and one bad year. I don't like getting rid of a coach after one bad year. If it's followed up by another bad year, Cutter's out on the street, gentlemen. Maybe he ends up back in Atlanta uh, as an assistant coach. I didn't like that. Hey, uh, it was good for Matt. Matt asked me, he was hitting the eye. about this. Hugh Jackson's won nine career games. Aiden Oakley won in Cleveland. Dirk won nine in year mm-hmm. one. So in one year, Dirk Cutter has done what Hugh Jackson's done in three years. So that tells me Hugh should go, Dirk should go too, but stay one more year at least in Tampa Bay. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, and speaking, hey, speaking of assistant coaches on the Falcons, um, my man Raheem Morris, Raheem Morris, uh, has done a whale of a job. And I don't know if he's ever going to get another shot as a head coach. Don't forget, he won 10 games his second year in Tampa. He won 10 games. And they didn't make the playoffs. That's not his fault. He won 10 games with Josh Freeman. Nobody knows how he did it. it you know, they were supposed to go 6-10. and 10, And he went 10-6. and six. And then at the end, he lost his last... He lost his last 10 games as a buck coach. 10-game losing streak, so he had to go, but... I think he's more mature now. He's done a heck of a job. Switch from defense to offense. Not a lot of coaches do that. Um, Raheem, Raheem Morris is not to be underestimated. Just, I mean, I hope he, uh, I hope he gets some interviews uh, in in the near future. I love talking to Coach Rob. He's he's cool. He's cool in the fan. I love him to death. He's a great guy. I pretty much our, our whole staff is pretty much cool dudes, man. I love all our staff members. We got they all cool. They all cool guys to talk to. My coach Rod needs another chance. He's a, a young mind. He had, he had a bad situation in Tampa where the Blazers axed him real fast. But hey, give him another shot. Look, look here, all these other other re retreads can get jobs. Social Raheem Morris too. You know Raheem Morris. Um, you guys have been around him. He's got a tremendous bubbly personality. A lot of charisma. Raheem's got a lot of charisma. Now, I got a story for you guys. You're always in for a nice laugh over here, gentlemen. This is a true story. Um, his second year in Tampa, it was the year he went 10-6, and six, so we're in training camp, and Raheem gets up there, first day of training camp, and he's talking about the goals for the year, and, and he goes, guys, it, it's a race to 10. It's all about a race to 10. Nobody knew what he was talking about. We said, what does that mean, coach? And he said, well, I've been doing some research, and if you win 10 games, you, you, you know, you're probably going to make the playoffs. So it's all about trying to get a race to 10. Now, I'm sitting in the front row, and I got a little smile on my face. He goes, Kaufman, you got something to say? I said, Raheem, does that count the preseason? Oh, man. He almost <laughs> fell off the podium. He almost <laughs> fell off the podium. He goes, Ira, you're the only guy in this room that would say something like that. Now, he knew I was trying to put him on, and he started smiling. And he's got a great smile, right? Raheem's got a fantastic yes, smile. And um, and we got along good. I saw him, uh, you know, a couple of years ago in, in, in uh, at the Georgia Dome before a game. He gave me a gave me a big greeting, big hug. Um, very warm individual. Uh, and I think he's done a whale of a job in Atlanta. Heck of a job. 
So, <clears throat> Ira, can you hit us with some uh, Jameis Winston talk? You know, is, do you think that he's the right QB to lead the the Bucks as uh, as you guys go forward? Well, it was a rocky year for Winston. He got hurt. Now, to some conjecture, he might have got hurt the second game of the year instead of the fourth or fifth game. Played through it. Then he sat out three games. By the way, they went two and one with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then the guy had like a two and eleven record going to the last game against New Orleans. And look, don't don't believe anything you read about the Saints. Uh, nothing interested in that game. I mean, they had a division title on the line uh, going into that final game. They needed to win. Uh, because they didn't know Carolina was uh, was going to lose. They didn't know that. So if Carolina won and the Saints lost, Carolina would have won a division. So Winston leads the Bucks back in Week 17 uh, against the Saints. And the Saints got a pretty good match, much better than they've had in the past. And the guy goes 95 yards in, in the last two minutes and pulls the game out, Winston. So, you know, that, that spoke a lot about Winston. The guy is an incredible leader, incredible intangibles. Um, ball security is an issue, gentlemen. It's an issue. Not so much interceptions now, but fumbles. He's become a little prone to fumbles, especially blindside hits from behind. I mean, that's tough. And um, the one thing, guys, that you may not be aware of is he, he's facing a possible, possible suspension because um, there was an incident in Arizona a year and a half ago, and he, he, was, he was in an Uber, and the Uber driver filed a complaint against Winston and says he groped her. He groped her. And she said he was the only passenger and Winston says there were three guys in the car. And the NFL's investigating. Who knows how long this thing's going to take. I dare say, gentlemen, if the three of us were leading this investigation, we'd wrap it up in about two weeks. That's it. Instead, they're going to take six months. I don't know why these things take so long, but if he's... Uh, you know, if he's found uh, uh, guilty as charged, basically, uh, he could get suspended for six games. And so nobody in the Bucks knows exactly what's going to happen. Uh, that could be another reason why Gruden didn't come to Tampa. You don't know if you're going to have this guy for six games. And uh, he's got some growing up to do. You know, he had a tantrum on the field uh, against the Saints in New Orleans. He had him a lot more got after it. And um, he's got some maturity issues. But I... I haven't lost faith in Jameis Winston. I, I think he's going to be very good. I'm with you on that, Howard. I want to ask you about this roster. Last question I got for you on my end is this, Robert. Uh, as we're heading the offseason for, for the Bucks. what are the areas the dirt cutter in front of us must improve for this team to be more competitive in, in the NFC South next year? One one area towers above all others. Now, they got holes to fill, no question. And you guys know from Grimes, he's a heck of a football player. Even though you know, thirty-five years old, he hasn't lost is much, and, and they don't know if he's coming Grimes. back. He could. Quick question: yeah, is, he, yeah. is, 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 is his wife a problem? Like she was in Atlanta? Is, does she? She was not. Like she, did, did, she was not. Okay, good, good deal. I know. I know she was an issue in Atlanta, and we were concerned. But for two years, she's been pretty happy with, with the way the Bucks treat her husband. She doesn't say anything about Cutter. She doesn't say anything about Winston. And Grimes has been a heck of a player. And now he could be a free agent. So they don't know if he's getting him back. But having said that, having said that, the one area of major concern, especially in a division with Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, and Drew Brees, they have no pass rush. They have no pass rush. When the Falcons didn't have a pass rush before Beasley came around, they weren't any good either. And Mike Smith ended up out the door. 
And now Atlanta's defense is pretty decent. And by the way, I think Deion Jones, that guy, that guy's tremendous. I love that Deion Jones. I voted for him on the full pro team. He's one of my three linebackers. I think that guy uh, is very, very underrated. Uh, but anyway, the Bucks got no pass rush at defensive end. They got no help from McCoy. McCoy's been there for eight, nine years by himself. No help. Double teamed every game. The fans are on McCoy's back because he's not Warren Sapp. Well, who's Warren Sapp? You, you can't get another Warren Sapp. Uh, maybe Aaron Donald. I mean, one, you know, once every ten years, these guys come around. And, uh, you know, Grady Jarrett, God bless him. He, you know, he, he ain't no Warren Sapp. I mean, he's good. But um, McCoy's, a, McCoy's a very good player. He's the least of the problems. But he's got no help up front. And at least Sapp ended up, you know, with Simeon Rice at the end, uh, you know, right end. And uh, now you can't double-team Sapp anymore. So they got to get a defensive end. they got to get an edge rusher. Free agency, I think kind of lean, maybe Ziggy Ansah. I, I don't see Lawrence leaving the Cowboys, guys. I think the Cowboys let that guy go. He led, he had 14 sacks. So I don't, see the, I don't see Dallas letting him. <laughs> you know, and who's there in the, in the draft? Maybe this um, – there's a kid out of North Carolina State that's supposed to be good. Um, so we'll see. But they got the number seven pick. That's the number one area. They got to make Matt Ryan, Newton, and Breeze uncomfortable in the pocket. You can't give these guys five seconds. They're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. Our I got one more question for you because my man played in Tampa. One of my good friends is Javon Hay. Do you have a good Javon Hay story you can share with us on the air that, that, that's, that's FCC legal? <laughs> you know what? That guy that guy turned in some good uh, some good days as a Buccaneer. He really did. Um, he was a good guy to talk to in the locker room, win or lose. And, you know, look, I'm selfish. I'm looking for good stories, and especially after losses, I'm looking for guys that I can talk to. Uh, usually after losses, you go up to a guy and say, let me take a shower first. Let me take a shower first. Then you go to somebody else. By the time you get back to the first guy, you look at his locker. Everything's gone. You missed him. He's gone. They don't want to talk to you after a loss. Javon Hay wasn't like that. Uh, I found him uh, insightful, smart guy. And you know what? He could play a little bit. He could play a little bit. So he had a decent Bucks career. Uh, what did he also play for? Tennessee, maybe? I can't remember. Tennessee, um, Carolina, I played for and Tennessee Detroit. if I Oh, okay. And um, you know what? Nice career for him. Uh, uh, he should be proud of uh, what he turned in. He hustled, didn't give up on a play. Um, again, not a Nick Warren Sapp, but who is, guys? Who is, who's going to be Nick Warren Sapp? Oh, man. You, you called it Aaron Donald. That's about it. I don't see nobody else but Aaron, Aaron Donald, Donald right that's now. That's about it. Yes, sir. By the way, I voted. Uh, you um, are Tampa Bay's Hall of I'll tell you voter. one thing. You, you. Uh, one, one more thing, I want to, one more point I want to make about defensive end, and this, this is really this is really uh, ticking off Buck fans because uh, last free agency in March there was a big six foot eight guy, three hundred thirty pounds, tremendous guy in the locker room, heck of a player, but he was maybe thirty two years old. His name is Kalei Campbell, and some of us writers here in Tampa, we were all on the Kalei Campbell bandwagon. You got to get this guy. He can play defensive tackle. He can play defensive end. He's a great representative for your franchise. He can teach some of the young guys like Noah Spence how to be a pro. Well, what happens? That throws all kinds of money at Calais Campbell, and the Bucks bow out 
of the free agent sweepstakes. And I just voted Kalei Campbell the defensive player of the year because he made everybody around him better. And you just saw him against Buffalo. This guy's a monster. He played right defensive end for the Jags this year. That is the spot the Bucks don't have anybody. That's the spot where you put your best pass rusher. Who knows what kind of difference, guys, Kalei Campbell could make with, with the Bucks. We'll never know. Um, but it was a big miss, and I think it came down to money. And they ended up taking a guy named Baker, Chris Baker from the Redskins. The guy was a huge yeah. disappointment. Guys, sometimes the right free agent, sometimes the right free agent can make a huge difference. You got that right, and they overpaid for Deshaun Jackson. If you ask me, Ira, Clay Campbell, not signed Deshaun Jackson. If you ask me, he was right for you guys on offense, so he has a waste of money. He has a pretty much a guaranteed deal. He can't go be there next year for sure. So, I mean, you should have got Clay Campbell. He could have changed the whole defense for Mike Smith because Mike hell how much to work with. Plus, injuries killed him too. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Mike does not have much to work with. People are down on Mike Smith. They're really down on him here. He's a heck of a nice guy. He doesn't excuse us. He says all the problems are right here. He's a kind of stand-up guy. Him and Cutter are very tight. A lot of people want Cutter to dump Mike Smith. I mean, they just finished 32nd, I believe, in yards given up. They were the last. They were the worst team in the league in yards given up. And can you blame Mike Smith for not having a pass rush? He doesn't have the talent. That's on the general manager. He keeps striking out in free agency and... Noah Spence, you know, Noah Spence can't stay healthy. So you're absolutely right. Now, you make a great point about Deshaun Jackson. Guys, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I watched every game, and I can't remember one deep ball, not one, that Jameis Winston connected with Deshaun Jackson. Not one. That's impossible. How could that happen? Neither can Jameis. <laughs> um, and we asked Cutter about it, and you know what Cutter said? Cutter said, don't blame Deshaun Jackson. He was open all the time. Well, then it's on Jameis Winston. First of all, he needs time to throw, you know, for a deep ball. I understand that. But he did throw a lot of balls to Deshaun Jackson, and he, he couldn't get it there. They were, they were long. They were short. They were wide. He's not a good deep passer right now. He's not. And they're going to have to work on that. I, I could see, guys, I'm telling you, um, if a team wanted to make a, a move for Deshaun Jackson – and I think with the right team, he can still be effective. Um, and they wanted to make a trade with the Bucks and made him an offer for a draft pick. Because I, 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 they had this kid, Chris Godwin, who came on strong from Penn State. Rookie. He's going to be good. This kid's going to be good. So I think you make the Bucks an offer for Deshaun Jackson, you might, you might try him away from Tampa right now. And they help everybody involved. I think he's best known in the Buccaneers roster because I just don't like how Dirk used him. Dirk has created all the surfaces in mind, but I just don't. He can leave him back how he wants to. You should tell James Winston, we're going to run him on a not Put him in Mike Evans on a double go route. Who wants to stop that? Nobody. That's right. I saw that happen That's right. this year. And I got to give Jackson credit, by the way. I got to give Jackson credit. You know, he's got a reputation being a diva. I understand that. He kept his mouth shut. He was frustrated. He took it like a man. I got to give Jackson his due. He um, he didn't say anything. He didn't divide the team. He didn't take any pot shots. Um, he manned up. Deshaun Jackson manned up this year. I got to give him credit. I hear that. Well, you're the man. You're a Tampa Bay Hall of Fame voter. You have it down, JoeBugsFan.com. 
If we come on the show, brother, I'm inspired. You get me and John hyped up, man. We'll do it again real soon around the draft when we see what Tampa's going to do with that seventh pick, man. I wish me luck in Minneapolis, guys. I'm trying to get John Lynch in the Hall of Fame. I'm 0 for 4, and I don't want to go 0 for 5. So wish me a little luck in Minneapolis, gentlemen. I sure will, brother. I will do it. We'll definitely do it for you. Thanks, man. All right, guys. My pleasure. All right. Our coffin here on the Boss Man Show. JC, the host with the most, baby, and it goes down each and every Saturday night right here in the city of Memphis. That's right, y'all. It goes down at Clicks Sports Bar Memphis, baby. 3705 Malco Way, Memphis, Tennessee, 38125. Come out and join us, the Three Kings, each and every Saturday night for the liveest karaoke in the city. Everybody gets in free till 10 p.m., only $5 after. Great food. We got drink specials. We got all kind of games, man. We got the pool tables popping. Whatever you want, we got you, man. Come on out. Have a good time with us each and every Saturday night. That's Clicks Sports Bar, Memphis. Specials. This would be a real short segment. Real short segment, John. Because <laughs> uh, we was just joined by the electrifying Joe Bucks fan, Tampa Bay's Hall of Fame voter, Ira Kaufman. Man, Ira is amazing, man. Uh, this first time I've been stopped for me stopping my own segment on my own show, John. It was the first time happened today with Ira. <laughs> Dude, I, I he's one of my favorite guests to have on because he's he's high energy. He's got great stories, and his information is is awesome. So not only like his um, factual information about the teams and the coverage, but his his opinions are excellent as well. He he uh, a lot of things tend to pan out. So if that's the first time you've heard him, or if you have never been to the site, uh, it's a good site to go visit. And definitely, he you know he knows what he's talking about. I Man, he's got his finger on the pulse of not only the NFC South but the NFL. Uh, as a whole and he's just he's just a great dude man he's just a great guest to have on because he's um you know there's no script when ira comes on you just kind of throw it out to him let him let him break it down for you and then just play off of that you know what i'm saying yeah you do like that wasn't what i put on the top well we, we hit all our points but it's how we got there <laughs> it's always the adventure it's how you get there with ira ira's great man you know and uh He's so New York, man. He reminds me like uh, like the Soprano dudes. You know, he's so New York. Like guys, you know, guys, gentlemen. I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> he's got that the classic that classic accent dialect, right? It's it's just like you can't you can't do that impersonation because it's so on point. Like you can't even do it, man. 
Nah, you can't. You know, I'm I'm good at impersonation. Y'all learn it. I, I can do some good impersonation of people, but I can't get Ira down. I, I I'll have to work with him a long time, man. And then also, Coach, this first hour we had Coach Mack on the show. Coach Mack was like amazing. Like John, he speaks what I speak. He speaks at a higher level to me with a football. You know, it's like when I hear him talk about four man space and inside zones, outside zones, uh, three by ones, two by twos, ten personnel. Like that stuff I know about because I play football. But where he talks about it in that high level, man, it's so amazing. Yeah, and he he breaks it down. Like even though it's high level, and it, it's kind of like it's it, it would be advanced, you know, football for for the casual fan to hear those terms. They tend to tune out, but when he brings it. He's kind of got a way of uh, making it easier to understand to a layperson. So I think that that's, that's what's appealing uh, to Coach when he, when he breaks it down like that. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. He might could have helped y'all Browns this year, John, but who knows? <laughs> he, didn't well, that, he didn't want that curse. <laughs> I mean, he's good, but I don't know if he's that good. <laughs> I'm not even sure if you know, Vince Lombardi coming back from uh, – if from the dead would help the Browns. I mean, geez, that's just a train wreck, bro. A train wreck. And you know, listen, when they had that parade, you, I mean, I'm sure everybody saw that on the news somewhere. They had the Owen 16 parade. Yeah. Dude, it was cold as hell out there. Those people went out there regardless. Like I'm talking like 30 below zero wind chills, you know, right on the lake. Those, those dudes were not messing around, man. They were having that 0-16 parade regardless. Those some tough dudes in Cleveland. And uh, I tell you what, folks, uh, guys, enjoy the first hour. Hour two is going to be even more amazing. I guarantee you this is JR. This is John here on the Boss Man Show. Austin Radio Network. Touch to be a real short segment. This short segment is over. Talk to you after the break. <laughs> fans, I got a great album for you. Today we have them from Family Grind ENC, True Speech, and 313 Fresh. We're going to give you two discs, 33 songs of pure, genuine hip-hop. Albums available on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, IllStreetRex.com, and streaming live right now on Rhapsody, Beats Music, Spotify, Xbox Music, Slacker Radio, and SoundCloud. Check them out today, True Speech and 313 Fresh, Family Grind ENT. Believe in it, get it. 